0: yeah but we we do go to a few events throughout the year
1: okay okay
0: go go travel around yeah you. actually next next week i'm going to amsterdam for money 2020 yeah which is a fintech conference for yeah. players like ourselves and our future clients that would yeah. be good for us as a business to start getting some exposure and global exposure if you you know want to yeah get into yeah, that. so, yeah that's the way to go too like
2: we initially started with you know uh, the usual conference like art basil my Bitcoin, Miami, East, Denver, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah. Um, as we kind of have matured both as a industry and as a company, mm-hmm. we've realized that there's lower hanging fruit with financial institutions yeah, yeah. who really haven't made the move yet to transition into this field. Right. And it's because right. these individuals need to be right, not first. Right? Yeah, So they've let the guinea pigs come in. Now they're actually looking for... Not the cowboys of the Web3, but rather the, you know, the clean cut <laughs> individuals right. that haven't yet drugged anyone, eh? Well, and
1: it, it makes sense that after because crypto conferences are only gonna get you so far. Correct. And then you actually have to engage your product into the to the place that you're at, right? right. FinTech is a great place to start. Um, document control, like all of those different avenues. How are we doing, buddy? Yeah? Cool. Cool. Well, um let's just talk about it.
2: Great. Uh, first, my name's Dallin. Sean.
1: Good to meet you.
2: Robert, nice to meet you.
1: Great. So where who are who are you guys? Who are you representing? What are we, we doing? We are
0: Nomics. We are a real world tokenization platform and development company. Right now we're working on trying to legitimize the industry as quickly as we can. Uh, we kind of feel like the quicker this industry becomes legitimate, the quicker we can start ut- utilizing like what we want to offer. Yeah. And right now we're trying to take real use cases of real assets, put them on the blockchain and create transparency and trust to allow people to start transacting a lot cleaner and more efficiently. So that's kind of what Nomics is.
2: And one of the primary core competencies that we have that differentiates from other Web3 developers in this space is because uh, I've spent a about a decade in one of the most heavily regulated industries uh, and that background makes bankers and fintech institutions very very comfortable yeah uh, and we have some of the best legal resources uh, that this country has to offer luckily and their entire intent incentive is to create case law for tokenization of real world assets so what we bring to the table for our clients is excellent high- documentation which makes not only our client, but also the end user, who is the institutional investor, or the accredited investor, we are creating analogies, or we don't even call them, we don't use the B or C word, actually, funnily enough, blockchain and crypto is the B yeah. and C word yeah. for bankers and fintech, at yeah. least after FTX's collapse. So we started calling it digital synthetic of real world assets.
1: Okay, so right? what kind of assets are we talking?
2: Uh, so currently, we're working on the first, one of our first customers was actually digital Products. It was a, affiliate marketing program, it was more and some retail consumer grids uh, where we helped them address the issue of cash flow. Mm-hmm. So initially, these businesses would onboard their members and they would produce four or five different drops throughout the course of the year. And one of the biggest challenges that they had to face was spoilage because these are very limited edition stock and mm-hmm. they were only applicable for Christmas or Easter or whatever. And secondly, cash flow, because they would have to either borrow or utilize their own um, uh, funds to uh, fund the manufacturing of their products. Right, leverage that first. Correct. So what we ended up doing is offering uh, their consumers or their clients membership-based tokens, and those membership-based tokens were accompanied by redemption of physical or digital products, just digital products. So you could either gate courses that are going to come out through the course of the year, right, educational content, or there were certain parts of the website where you would have limited edition drops, which could only be accessed by this digital token being in your wallet. And when you signed a transaction with your NFT, you could redeem that 50 or a hundred or $200 item for $0 and only pay shipping. What that allowed our customers to do is they had no spoilage because everything was spoken for on day one. When they purchased their token, they said, oh, in month three, I want X, in month four, I want Y, and in month eight, I want Z. so now they were able to produce very very tight numbers for the products that they were actually offering is that where the
1: idea came from was this first use case correct okay and then
0: well it's kind of funny because that's where us as a business have matured right i mean at the beginning we were taking on projects where we just wanted to get into the web3 space and and, and really try to just make a name for ourselves and then we uh, completed this project and had a lot of success with that client And then our next client that, you know, has approached us has really kind of pivoted to more of a, I would say, you know, financial instrument for financial institutions to start creating liquidity with their assets. And now we've evolved in a company as a company to go from a membership loyalty token to now a financial token or a financial instrument token that allows people to put that to market, to create liquidity and to drive uh, you know, more investors to what they're trying to offer, you know, and right now, you know, most people are having a tough time getting their investors because their pools are so small. Now right. we're opening those pools up and allowing more people to get involved.
2: So let me give you an example of this where it's, it's we're not just talking hypotheticals at this point We're well past the point where the big boys are not coming to the table. Like, um, I'm part of the cohort at digital assets week, which is usually hosted funnily enough in the same week as consensus. Okay. So, Consensus is more along the lines of, yay, NFT projects, whereas Digital Assets Week is more JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, US Bank, creating those platforms to, let's say, trade treasury bills, right? Where JP Morgan just completed one of their pilot programs that started in November last year. They were able, and their entire objective for the program was to increase the amount of intraday liquidity for treasury bills, which is a highly liquid asset. Now, when you're trading on E-Trade, and you sell a stock, technically it's T plus two day settlement, right? right? You yes. sold it today. They might give you a grace period if you, you know, have a little pleb account, right. but when you're like looking <laughs> at an account worth hundreds of millions of dollars, now you're going to wait for those two days for your settlement to be completed before you can leverage those funds again. Yeah. Um, so what uh, JP Morgan ended up doing is they ended up creating digital synthetics of these treasury bills on a limited run on their personal or their private blockchain. Mm -hmm. And they ended up uh, utilizing it for instant settlements, right? So if you had cash in your account, this person is trying to offload a billion dollars in T-bills. It was instantaneous liquidity attained for both parties. What that allowed them to do is generate an additional $700 billion worth of business over a 30 day period.
1: And with the with the JP Morgan case, they also how, how uh, sensitive were they to the B and C word? Or, or they, were they just saying, we're just doing this thing. We'll have an instant transaction. We're not going to actually talk about the underlying Right, attack. they did they Which didn't. they never do anyway. No. You don't hear them talk about COBOL. <laughs> no, <laughs> you,
2: know? you don't need to. <laughs> yeah. Right. You don't need to understand TCIP to right. use internet. Yeah, right, exactly. Right? So it, what they started calling them was just digital synthetic treasury bills. Mm-hmm. Right? We, we, they were the head of, it was the head of digital assets that's actually spearheading this project. And funnily enough, I've noticed that certain banks, such as US Bank, the head of digital assets actually reports under the uh, ESG compliance department, which kind of does make sense. Yeah. Because you are at the end of the day removing the you're using less data centers. Right. You're reducing the total fees, the maker-taker fees that you might have to generate as a result of those transaction, especially if the asset has been custodied somewhere else. Right. Right. Now, does that mean the banks are going to end up passing that saving down to the customer? Maybe, more likely they like their profits and this is going to be their trade off for being transparent, Yeah. right? We'll be transparent as long as we can collect another $14 billion every 90 days, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So how do they do like a one-to-one relationship between these digital assets and the actual?
2: So currently what they've ended up doing, one of the core principles here was that the current NFT standards We're not robust enough to comply with security standards or to comply with SEC regulations. Like if I'm into an NFT project and I sold it to you, I don't know if you can go sell it to Xi Jinping or Kim Jong-un or someone along those lines. Uh, There might be an oligarch in Russia that picks up something from my project. Now, unless my project is A, build on the diamond standard, which is upgradable so I can exercise some level of control over it. Uh, And B, it has additional um, compliance factors baked into the code, such as uh, what is the digital identity of the person that's transacting on it. It's basically going towards the permissioned or a semi-permissioned chain, where unless you're an accredited investor, unless you've actually come in and validated this wallet, to prove that you are who you say you are, you're based in the geographic environment that you say you are, you are an accredited investor. So whatever claim you're making with your digital identity, that needs to be validated before you can transact on my network, Yeah, right? So so those kind of items, and plus the ability to place liens on certain tokens, the ability to claw back certain tokens if you've broken some rules and regulations, because uh, compliance, a lot of people, especially in the web three industry, Think of it as a a one and done factor. Yeah, I'm compliant. Right, yeah, I'm yeah, finished. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's ever evolving, ever, yeah. Ever evolving. Yeah,
1: That's 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 actually my background as well as some regulatory stuff. So when when you guys, so this this particular pathway, right? What is the actual method for um, this validation? I, it's, it's like a KYC process. Correct. correct. Okay, and that's that's keeping you out of OFAC. That's keeping correct. You, yeah, yeah, that's.
0: So so what we found actually is that a lot of people don't even think about this. They come rushing to us with this great idea yeah. and we kind of have to back them down a little bit first and walk them through what we as a company and our principles and how we, adjust, uh, you know, address integrity and, and things like that, because there is a lot of great ideas out there. But sometimes the idea is just, you know, not going to comply with regulatory you know, impact and things like that. So what we want to do is obviously talk about that side of the business first with our, our clients to make sure that we're not taking them down a road that's going to bite them in the back later and then more importantly as a company we just don't touch that kind of stuff we <laughs> we just we we're we're running away from it as quickly as we can because we feel our company brings value when we can get projects regulated mm-hmm.
2: and the funny thing is just hearing the cohort talk at digital assets week i almost feel like 70 to 80 percent of the companies that exist today. The burden of compliance is going to get so high yeah. that they're going to get out-regulated out of their own industries. Yeah, right. Um, so it's it's an interesting time right now.
1: Yeah, it is. It's interesting. I was actually glad to see the regulatory panel downstairs yeah. earlier because yeah. that's exactly the kind of thing that we're going to need, where businesses are working with regulators to actually get ahead of it before you know the big and show up and and make it best for them and, you know, stomp on everything. Grandfather themselves in and then it's done. So and and this is this is always such an interesting topic for me and the projects that we work on over at Nerd, because where where do you find the balance between this decentralized, anonymized tech that we have that the people like, you know, crypto junkies like to to lean into because that's that's a cool tech. And then you also have like, I don't want to sell assets to a drug lord in Cuba. Like what? What do we do? Like, where's the balance there for you?
2: (sighs) Okay. So so it really just depends upon what kind of information you're storing, right? Like at at some point, the internet was completely anonymous. You could do whatever you (laughs) chose on the internet and odds were no one was going to come knocking on your door. Right. Right. And then as slowly as the industry matured, the need for that regulatory compliance and that non anonymous, end user had to come in, in order for the industry to mature, right? Right. So, so I think there's still going to be use cases for completely anonymized. For probably both, right? Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I think we're still in this, just taking the analogy of what they were using downstairs, like we're in 1994 off the internet. Mm -hmm. I think we're a little bit more advanced than that. I think we're at the stage where the Nokia had just come out with their Symbian OS and everyone was like, oh my God, the Symbian OS is the best thing since sliced bread. But iOS and Android have not yet come out, yeah, right? Those yeah. platforms that allow yeah. you to very quickly spin up applications on top of their platforms, that allows my grandmother to utilize her banking app or to play Angry Birds or Candy Crush or whatever, right? It, it, it's, it's moving away from me having to download a .exe file, install it on my yeah. computer, then crack it just to play a video game, right? right? Yeah, it, yeah. Once those kind of platforms come out, and we are seeing those already uh, where you have no code solutions. And I think AI, the admin of AI is gonna push that uh, or catalyze that adoption even quicker.
1: Yeah, I think so too, because AI gives you a pathway into certain levels of anonymity, but still gives you like more almost human interaction, you know, cause like I've, I have a fraud background and we had all these ag- algorithms yep. built to identify, um, you know different transactions, different patterns and stuff. But at the end of the day, all of them still needed a human to look
2: through. Supervised learning. Yeah,
1: exactly. Right? And it was the person who's making the labels. Exactly, it's the person who's making all the labels. And so, like introducing AI to that process, where like, yeah, you can train the algorithm, but now you're also really training the model to like sure. identify and and teach it to ask you. You mm-hmm. know, that's the big one. Is is I'm not sure. Can you tell? You know that when when they ask for that, but. I do think that it is going to contribute to that anonymity side with a higher KYC process. Correct. Yeah. You know, so.
2: And with ZK Syncs, it's going to be a balance between the two as well. Right. Because technically I can be anonymous to, let's say, uh, Snowbird. Right. But I can yeah. be not anonymous to Utah Driver License Authority. Yeah. Right. So the yeah. DMV might have all my information and i might use my dmv credentials to validate myself at third party vendors yeah where right. i remain anonymous where all your querying is are you a resident of utah yeah Do here's you, my birth certificate here's, here's your a, birth yeah, certificate that's
1: and that's exactly the kind of document control stuff that i i think states like utah if they really want to change some stuff they get they get on board with this mm-hmm. you know cuz i think that that's ultimately where these things are going to show up right
2: so what's going to be at- actually really tricky with what we're trying to do and what the you know the dgen web3 cowboy has been accustomed to over the last three years are daos right yeah you have huge daos such as maker dao compound uh view dao which have you know varying levels of treasure chests mm-hmm. but every single bear market they get stuck with heaps of toxic debt yeah right where a token will go up Three hundred percent or three thousand percent, which is you know baby numbers in crypto, right? Yeah, yeah, and And
1: all all the way up to eight cents. Yeah,
2: (laughs) and then I end up, let's say, taking a million dollars in Pepe, yeah, and staking it on MakerDAO or uh, sorry, yeah, MakerDAO, yeah, MakerDAO, getting a fifty percent LTV out against that in five hundred grand, yeah, and now Pepe collapses eighty percent. Yeah, technically my assets. Yeah, yeah, my assets worth three hundred grand. They're gonna do a margin call. I'm not gonna to respond to that margin call because I I'll just keep that five hundred yeah, no grand thanks. in my pocket. No thank you. <laughs> so now they're stuck with toxic debt that A, isn't yield generating anymore because all of the pools that spun up around there and all the LPS that were actually paying out a yield are now gone. Yeah. Because the token collapsed. Yeah. And now either you wait until the next bull market to hopefully recover for break even. Right or you just have to write off a lot of toxic debt. Yeah. yeah. Now, MakerDAO actually released a uh, had a consensus about a month ago or a month and a half ago where they're aiming to the mandate was to dedicate at least 50 million dollars out of their treasury into real-world assets. Right. Cool. And the okay. entire objective of this is to counterbalance some of the more speculative assets that are right. on their treasury right. street so they they need that stability. Yeah, so they have a constant recurring source of revenue, which at least pays for their server costs, pays for their overheads. And they're certain that this asset, even in the worst case scenario, because it's pegged to a real world asset, the arbitrage opportunity on that is going to be maybe they'll use 10%, 15% Mm -hmm. of the face value until some other party steps in to purchase it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: That is coming. And I think MakerDAO is the trailblazer there. And Mm. I think there's about five or six other DAOs that are just... Waiting on the sides see just to see how it yeah. goes.
1: It's smart. It's smart. That's a cool idea though, because, well, yeah. I just, we're we're actually going to be talking to uh, a community DAO. Uh, I just talked to them before before you guys. It's too bad that you're going to have to take off soon because I'd love to actually see that conversation. Just kind of pick their brain on on exactly that. What do you do with these risks and? Like, because what do you do?
2: So, my main question to them would be How are you making sure everyone that's part of your DAO? And because Maker, you can buy it on Uniswap, right? Right. Yeah, so, yeah. how am I certain that someone in Kim Jong's cohort isn't part of Maker DAO who is now indirectly invested in US based assets, right? right. <laughs> who gets benefit, into trouble yeah, for that? Yeah. It's, it's it's going to be a little bit complex there yeah
1: i wonder cuz like i wonder if the solution is some sort of carve out where like provided we can show we've done our side of the work you know if if it becomes known there there shouldn't really be a, a way to be punished for it but like until somebody carves that out the sec's going to come knock in you know
2: and plus the sec and Gary Gensler is really very very into Enforcement by, uh, sorry, regulation by enforcement. Regulation by enforcement. Yeah. So because of that, and and it's really, really surprising because China, I don't know if you noticed this two days ago, I think they might have teased the next bull run because they were talking about like Bitcoin and yields on national TV. Interesting. And which was, blew my mind because they've gone hot and cold with crypto about four times. Yeah. Yeah. Which was always confusing to me because if you looked at Bitmain's model, every time they created a new type of miner, they were testing the miner for four to six months in their warehouses. And once they've driven up the difficulty level up, then then they're like, here you go. Here's for like 500 X markup. Yeah. Right. 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 So (laughs) so they have a, if Fidelity has a huge stash of Bitcoin, I wonder how much Bitmain has. Right. Right. Uh, so, So it was almost in China's interest. And now you can see the race between. Beijing, Guangzhou and Hong Kong, where they've each dedicated from city council money about 12 to $25 million per year, which might not seem like a much to us, but in China, it's right. all in the well, money.
1: And the second that anything runs, it's way more money, right? Know? Like, and it doesn't need to move a ton for it to be better than anywhere else. You can put your
2: money. No. Right? And Chinese capital uh, VC funds yeah. are going big on Web 3 Yeah, like, for sure.
1: In the last sense. two
2: or three weeks,
1: so, so uh, you guys are taking off, I assume. Um, but just out of curiosity, like especially because we're going to be posting this and stuff, who who are you looking for right now? Who is who is your customer? If you could meet people today and you had time for it, who who would those? be? So our be? primary
2: customers are individual, individuals that already own assets that have either been underwriting those assets or selling those assets to their customer base of accredited investors uh, whether under Reg A or Reg D there's a limited pool of investors which they have an asset it's a yield generating asset and they have an investor pool Mm -hmm. but they are limited by their capital right? where they might have $10 million that they can cycle through every month and now they have to wait X duration before Before they can can sell it it again and then they can recycle that pool but we want to assist them with Is a translating their assets onto the blockchain. So a, you don't. There's no public holidays now. It's a 24/7 follow the sun market, right? Then you get instant liquidity. Then if they're actually utilizing any third-party platforms, those third-party platforms charge fees that are percentage of the transaction value. Yeah. We want to change it to a flat fee, whether you're transacting a dollar or a million dollars. It doesn't matter. So individuals that already have experience. creating those kinds of asset classes and marketing those kinds of asset classes. We want to help them attain a higher level of liquidity, baking compliance and audits, which one of our clients that we worked with, they were for gemstones, like actual historically significant gemstones okay. that were stolen from temples in India back yeah. in the British Raj. Right. And uh, we essentially reduced the cost of compliance with E&Y from 300 grand to about $50,000 a year because they were able to custody them with a third party. And now because that when the chain of custody is not broken, ENY doesn't have to come in and validate it every time because right. they can rely it's on... It's right here. Yeah, it's yeah. right here. Uh, so, so really, what we're offering our customers is increased liquidity, compliance baked in, removal of bureaucratic red tape around the administrative work that goes into compliance and 24-7 access to their markets. That's brilliant.
1: Yeah. That's really cool.
2: But really where we want to go in the future, and this is where I see with now already doing it, If MakerDAO is onboarding real world assets, I don't think we're too far away from getting really, really blue chip assets that have a history approved with MakerDAO and other similar DeFi platforms where our clients and customers can come in and stake their assets and take out loans against those assets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So again, you don't have to go to a bank and get your appraisal done. You don't have to pay absurd
0: third party, fees. third party fees. Right. right? It, yeah.
2: It's, it's more bringing that credit union concept.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's way cool. Well, I'm excited to watch you guys yeah. progress. I'm, I'm going to find you on LinkedIn real soon. Yeah, <laughs> or you can go to our website nomics.io Nomics. find us on LinkedIn. Okay. We'll make sure the links are down awesome. on the video. Dude.
0: Once that stuff's available, 100% because yeah, it will... That.